0: All right, if you want to open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1. We'll start in verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it and we proclaim To you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. These are ancient and sacred words written uh, towards the end of the first century by a man named John. One of the last living disciples of Jesus, John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. John, who wrote the Gospel of John. John, who wrote, would go on to write Revelation. uh, Who had a, a kind of a front row seat to everything that Jesus does. And he's writing after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And he's writing to a church with a pastoral concern for the community. And he talks about things that he has heard and seen and touched with his ears and his eyes and his hands. This is something that he has witnessed and experienced, and he is now passing it on to others, the experience that he's had. June 25th, 1967, the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation, commissioned The Beatles to write a song as a contribution to a TV show that was coming out called Our World. Our World was one of the first uh, TV shows that was broadcast throughout the entire world, not just in the United Kingdom. It was broadcast all over the world. The Beatles, getting ready to write a song, thought, we want to write something that has a simple message that would transcend all the different languages and would transcend all the different cultures. And they came up with the song, All You Need Is Love. All you need is love. 400 million people listened as this song debuted on our show. The next day, they go launch the song, becomes number one on the the billboards in the UK, gets over to the US, becomes number one, becomes one of the most popular songs ever written by the Beatles. All you need is love. The concept of love resonated with people throughout the world, not just in the United Kingdom. The concept of love is something that it reaches down to the the, the deepest parts of our soul and of our heart, this idea of, of love. It's something that We long for as humans. In fact, if you look at uh, Amazon.com, I spend too much time there. My wife doesn't. appreciate that. (laughs) There's over 245,000 books with the word love on Amazon alone. If you Google, do a Google search on love, you'll find that over 474 million entries on this idea of love. The UK has the Beatles. We have... Britney Spears. But she writes about this idea of love and talking about kind of the longing for it in this famous, probably her most famous line in any of her songs, my loneliness is killing me. You can keep going if you want. <laughs> uh, my loneliness is killing me. We're We're a lovesick culture. Because we're designed for love and we long for love and we're sick for love. And we, we look for love in, in all sorts of the wrong places and experience it, and it becomes warped and manipulated. And there's been a lot to be said about love. And it's a word that we, we pass around in our, in our culture um, w- without attaching things like responsibility and commitment. Oftentimes, it, it has something to do with romance or feelings or, or, or just... Uh, it, it, there's a lot to be said of love. Love is something that, for the church, for followers of Jesus, have written some of the most profound ideas about it. In this old, sacred, ancient text, John, the beloved disciple, who has a front row experience with Jesus, writes some of those beautiful words about love. First, John 3.11 says, this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. 1 John 3, 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. 1 John 4, 7 says, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. 1 John 4.11 says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. That might be one of my, my favorite lines that John says. Let me read it again. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And this is the verse I want to just hone in on today. No one's ever seen God, but when we love one another, it makes him visible. Of all these things that that John says we've talked about the last three weeks God is the source of love, as Tyler talked about. He's the source. We love because he first loved us. The source creates our identity as a people. If we love because he first loved us, we are a people of love, and God's love flows through us to other people. It means that all of us are loved. But then there's fruit that is produced by the source of our love, and our identity as being people of love. There's fruit that we produce, which makes God visible. What John's trying to say is God's people, God's children, God's church display God's nature in this world. God's people display God's nature. Last night, uh, before we went to bed, uh, we, my wife has this thing where, and, and probably some of you are like this too, you have to make the bed before you sleep in the bed. And, you know, we're somewhat good about making our bed Yesterday was Saturday. We kind of slept in late, you know, didn't go through a normal routine. So before bed last night, we're trying to make the bed before we sleep in the bed. So, like, we get the sheets out, and, like, I'm pulling on my side, she's pulling on her side. And it's kind of, like, I'm one of those people that, like, I like to, like, wrap the sheets around my legs. So in 20 seconds, it's all coming undone anyway. Like, like I don't know why we're, we're making the bed. Not only do we make the bed, but Marcy does a, a certain, like, fold at, like, the corners, you know, that has to be just right. And so last night, we're making the bed, and she's, she said something to me. It wasn't quite a nag. It, wasn't, it was a little bit more than friendly advice about how I was folding <laughs> the sheet somewhere in between there. And I'm sitting there, like, processing this. This is the end of the day. I'm tired, and I'm like, it's going to get all messed up in, like, 20 seconds. And so when she said that to me, I did this thing where I'm thinking I need to, like, tuck the sheet in the right way so that I can get into bed and untuck it. And I start to roll my eyes, and I do this thing with my head, and it, junior high Jared comes out, and I fall flat onto the bed, onto my face, acting like I passed out. Like, that was my response to, like, and, and I remember, like, this is something I would do in junior high where it's, like, whatever you have said to me is so ridiculous that the only, like, viable response is me just, like, passing out. Like, how does that make you feel? And... The response I was going for from her isn't what I got. Instead she started cracking up laughing at me and I looked up and I was like, what? And she goes, that's what Micah does all the time. And I was like, what? And she goes, that's where he gets it. And I'm like, gets it? I'm like, I haven't pulled out like the passive aggressive feigning move since I was in middle school. I have never taught him this. And she's like, that is what he does to me all the time. And I was thinking about this idea of displaying the character of someone that you come from. And for my son, Micah, he's displaying, I have no idea why, it's just my DNA is in him, that he has learned the passive-aggressive, (laughs) fake-like-you're-passing-out response. Obviously, when it talks about us displaying the nature of God, we don't take on, like, you know, because God is perfect and God is love. But the same way that my child, without me teaching him, has has taken on something that I do. As God's people, as God's church, as God's children, we display the nature of God, and God is love. It is a profound love. It is an unconditional, sacrificial love, but this is the nature that we display. We've been talking about living love and here's what happens. This is the fruit of our love. When we live love, it says people will see God. People will see God. This makes Jesus visible. This is, and what we find is that God's love is identifiable in really two things in this world. In, in the image that we have of Jesus dying on the cross and rising from the dead. And in how God's people treat each other. These are the two ways that God's love is identifiable in our world. We have the story of the gospel, the story of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, conquering death, rising from the dead, and then the church, God's people, who put on display the character of God, the nature of God for the rest of the world. This makes God's love visible in this world and in this community. Francis Schaeffer says, We cannot expect the world to believe that the Father sent the Son, that Jesus' claims are true, and that Christianity is true, unless the world sees some reality of the oneness of true Christians. How we treat each other, how we love each other, it puts on display, and it it gives credibility to the story that we're a part of. When when Jesus is, is getting ready to To leave this world, and he's talking to his disciples in the Gospel of John, he talks about this idea of being one, united in love, and this is how the world will know that you are my disciples. This puts on display who God is. Similar similar to this, the commentator F.F. Bruce says, the love of God is displayed in his people. The love of God displayed in his people is the strongest apologetic that God has in this world. This, this compelling force of love is unstoppable. It is compelling and convicting. It's something that people want to be a part of. It reminds us that God is good. And I would say if this, if this the way that we, we love each other is one of the strongest apologetics in the world, the opposite I would say is one of the biggest detriments to our message of God's love. When followers of Jesus aren't loving as God loved, it becomes something that can just wreck a church's message in a community. Oftentimes with young people, when I talk to them, they don't have problems with Jesus. They have problems with something happened in church. they got burnt, didn't turn out the way they wanted it to. They're fried message of Jesus, yeah, I get that, but, man, dealing with, with the church, that's, that's a challenge. And it is. The church is messy. We're broken people. But we put on display love, sacrificial love, and it makes God visible in this world the way that we love each other. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God's love, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We live love, people will see God. The second thing is when we we live love, people will experience life-giving community. They will experience life-giving community, and I think that our world needs this. We live in a fractured world, a lonely world, a broken world. To be around around people that, that when you are around them, you just feel like it just fills your soul. Like you haven't just encountered them, you've encountered the living Christ. There's this Holy Spirit that, that unites us, that flows out of us, that people encounter. And when we live love as a church, it's life-giving to others. There's not a lot of things in this world that are life-giving. There's things that are uh, maybe uh, uh, they may they promise life, but they never deliver. But life-giving community, the church, loving as God loves, our world needs this. It's a sacred community. Following Jesus isn't just this individualistic thing. It it requires community. And in community, what we find is we share each other's burdens. We keep each other accountable. We encourage each other. We care for each other. When difficult things happen, we walk with each other in the midst of trials. When we live, love becomes a life-giving community. I found this poem that thought it would be a good thing to pray. And there's a couple of things that I pray each, each day. Um, and this is something I think I want to add to it. But it says this. It says, Lord, when I learn that someone is hurting, help me know what to do or say. Speak to my heart and give me compassion. Let your great love flow through me today. That last line, let your great love flow through me today. That should be something we pray every day. Lord, that your great love would flow through me to those around me, to those that are, are broken, to those that are in need. Lord, that I would have that as a priority, that your great love would flow out of me. And when we live love, people experience this life-giving community. The third thing is when we live love, people will live rightly with God. We live rightly with God when we live out God's love, when we put on display the character of God, and those around us live rightly with God as well. And, and here's what I mean, is that we were created in the image of God, created from love, the source, for love, which is our mission. This is what relationship with Jesus is all about. And it's so easy to 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 think of this as something that is like a a religion, or or we get caught up in what we're supposed to be and do as Christians, and we forget that it's about this relationship where where some of it should be very natural. We're in relationship with God. We're experiencing his love, and that's flowing out of us to other people, and when we do that, we're living rightly with the Lord. Uh, Last week, I had a meeting with a couple pastors uh, here in town, and one of the things that we do with like sermon planning is we plan out, you know, six months in advance, and and so uh, we, we plan all the way through December, which is exciting, fun for me. It's like, hey, I know where we're going sermon-wise. But uh, one of the, the series that I was given uh, to, to prepare for is in November. So it's going to be on Galatians, Letter to Galatians. So if you want to stick around for that, gonna, I'm going to write. Galatians is an interesting book, super interesting book, um, Written by the Apostle Paul, written to this community, uh, churches in uh, Galatia, and uh, different culture than some of the rest of the Roman Empire. And as he's writing there, what they're finding is that all of these former people that were Gallic uh, are becoming Christians, and they're coming into the church, and they are so much different than what the early church is dealing with, with like the Jewish community and some of the early converts from the Greeks and the Romans. And they're trying to figure out, what does it actually mean to be a follower of Jesus? And so they've got all of this, like, all of these old rules that they follow that are a part of their story, and those rules are important, but then they're running into this culture that has absolutely no idea why people are doing this, and so there's all sorts of discussion about what you have to do, what you have to eat, what things you have to cut out of your life, and... And it's a huge dispute. And Paul shows up and says, these people, they're experiencing the living Christ. They're experiencing Jesus. And he says this in Galatians 5, 6, after this big dispute breaks out. He says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith, this belief in who Jesus is, what he's done, but then expressing itself in love. How do we live rightly with God? Faith expressing itself through love. And the burden of religion, all the things that we, we try to do to keep God happy, all the different things that we... It, faith in the love of Christ that expresses itself through how we love other people. Paul says, this is what counts. It's all about this idea of loving Others. When we do that, we live rightly with God. Faith that expresses itself as love allows us to display the character of the invisible God to this world. There's a story from Brandon Moody, who is uh, the nephew of his, the famous D.L. Moody, he talks about how he goes to his church in Chicago on Easter. And there was a, uh, an Easter pageant that was on display, and there were d- d- Depicting Jesus' ascension into heaven. And so they get up on stage, and this is, you know, this is quite some time ago. So uh, you know, technology is different. They literally like put a rope on this guy who's Jesus and pull him up off the stage. And I guess as Jesus is ascending up through the roof in this play, like in white clothes stretched out, the rope breaks. And Jesus falls like 15 feet, hits the stage, and gets up, and everyone's like, What's going to happen? Like, this is so embarrassing. This is the ascension. And the, the actor playing Jesus says, oh, yes. And one more thing. <laughs> love one another. It runs off the stage. It, Moody's nephew talks about, like, wouldn't it, I mean, if that really, like, wouldn't that be great? If that's how it happened, like, the one thing they're trying, like, Paul, John, they're all driving in to us is to, to love one another, to display the character of God in this world. And one more thing. Love one another. May the love of God flow out of us to others. I'll close with this story. As we talk about this idea of living love, it's something that it makes makes God visible in our world. It's life-giving for others. It's how we live rightly with God. We live from the love of God, and it flows out of us. Finally, John, the the man who wrote this ancient sacred text, says he came to the end of his life. There's a story that's told by the old church father, Jerome. Jerome says that when the Apostle Paul was in extreme old age, he, would, he was so weak, he, uh, he'd be carried into these church meetings. And at the end of the meeting, uh, he would, he'd be helped uh, to get up onto his feet and give a, give a word to the church. And he'd always talk about this, oh, yeah, one more thing, love one another. It says the disciples in the church, the early church in the first century was like, okay, we get it, okay, we get it. And they were like, what, I mean, what else? And they kind of began to grow weary of this message of love. And they finally asked him, Uh, Why he's always, like, just beating this in, love each other. Why are you always just telling us, love each other, love each other? And finally, John says, according to Jerome, because it is the Lord's commandment, the greatest commandment. And, And if this only is the thing that we are about, that is enough. Love one another. Love one another. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God's love is in us, and his love is made complete in us. We talk about this series, Living Love, in different ways. It it, it could mean um, a, a great change of direction for you, or it could be something that is small. But there are people in your life right now that need to experience God's love. It might be your children. It might be a spouse. It might be a coworker. And there's someone in your life right now that needs to experience God's love. As we talk about this idea of making God visible in our community, making God visible in our lives, this week let's be intentional about letting God's love flow out of us however that needs to express itself to the people that need to hear it. Let us live love, put on display the character of God for others. Tim's going to come back up and close us with a time of communion. Maybe today, as Tim comes up, before you can even love someone else, the line from Britney Spears echoes, my loneliness is killing. Maybe you feel like you're unlovable. Maybe you just feel like there's things in your life where your heart is empty and you just need to experience God's love to fill up your tank today. We invite you to, to reflect and allow God to meet you here. When you're ready, you can move to the communion tables. We have them set up on both sides of the room. This is the sacred moment where we remember God's love What God did for us is Jesus came to the cross, died for our sins, rose from the dead. Maybe today you need to come to the table and just remember God's great love, the source of love in our life. And then you need to move to proclamation. How is this displayed by how I live? And maybe God will reveal certain people in your heart that you know I need to show love to this week. They're hard to love. Or maybe they're just disconnected people but may God nudge you to love them as we come to the table today. Let me pray. Lord, thank you so much for this message, a message that's ancient. But words of wisdom about love for reminded that we are the people of love. Your church. Because love is your character. Love is something that is often misunderstood. It's something that is thrown around without responsibility. Sacrificial, unconditional love, commitment. We want to be people who love well, Lord. We want to be people who put you on display. Lord, I just ask today that you would meet with us as we come to your table. We want to love because you first loved us, so fill us with your love. May we go today full of joy and the fruit of your spirit, loving those that we encounter. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.